Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. This place is special. Get asked all the time, where's your favorite place to take college game day? And I say every time, Eugene, Oregon. This is the best crowd. Honestly, it's six in the morning here. Yeah. It's dark. It's raining. They don't care. These fans right here, pound for pound, are as good as any college football fans in the country. This program is staged to compete and to win championships. Oregon is going to be in the championship game. Can you believe the magical season this has become? When we watch this film, does our effort beat theirs? Here's Bo Nix. Guns been making deposits. Time to cash a check. Sound at Austin, which is deafening for an Oregon 15-point win. Chip Kelly still does not have a win against his former school, and we say farewell. Man, it feels great to be a duck. Welcome to the QB11 Show, presented by Scoop Duck, with Doug, Andrew, and J-Hop. Here are the guys with the latest scoop. Welcome back to the QB11 show presented by Scoop Duck. I am Doug Scott. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. I hope everyone had a wonderful holiday season. We are going to right now give you the second half of our, I don't want to call it an interview, of our podcast uh, episode recorded about a week ago with Hithliday. So this is where QB and Hithliday and myself go over the review of the entire Oregon 2023 season roster position by position group so we gave you the offense on our last episode this episode is now the defense so sit back listen and enjoy and we'll be back with you in a few days to cover the upcoming fiesta bowl and the other new york six and new year six i don't know why i always say new york six the other new year six and uh, playoff games so we'll be back qb and i will be back with you in a couple days but enjoy the second half of the hit day episode thank you there's also some defensive factors, which is this would be a good time to transition. Yeah, let's talk, we'll talk about, about defense. defense. <laughs> you want to uh, finish your thought there on whatever you were going to say about about the defense, or you just want to start over? No, because it's about the secondary, and we should talk about the front because okay. the front is like this was sort of the news. So you or, or the 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 I think the biggest pleasant surprise 
um, for me. Uh, you may recall uh, when we recorded uh, prior to the season, uh, the thing that I was trying to ring the bell about, sort of caution everybody, was that the defensive front um, was going to be made up in its middle layer of true freshmen, right? Like if you wanted to consider, you know, the, the or at least a sort of at the, the, the edges, right? Um, you know, the, their top layer was going to be vets, right? You know, they had Doralis, they had Birch, you know, they, they had Mace Funa, um, you know, in the middle, of course, they, they had vets too, you know, uh, Amavai and, 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 and Taimani and, and, and so forth. Um, but, and then of course they, you know, they're, 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 their third layer were going to be freshmen, but like everybody's third layer is freshmen. However, the interesting thing about Oregon's defensive front is that the middle layer, um, uh, uh, you know, most teams, you know, when they're confronting a situation like Oregon was where they chased out their entire middle layer, uh, right. You know, Oregon's entire OLB room left except for Mace Funa, right. Or, you know, remember everybody, you know, like all, all those OLBs who couldn't get to the passer and Oregon was like, all right, well, we're done with you. Go away. Um, y- you know, so Oregon like didn't have like all of them, they're all gone, you know, so the entire like middle layer, you know, anybody who's like younger than Brandon Dorless, you know, all gone. Um uh, who wasn't a freshman anyway. Um, it, you know, it, so most teams who'd be in that position, they would backfill in that middle layer with like, oh, uh, let's find some, th- you know, some three stars who've got like, you know, 300 snaps under their belt. You know, they won't be great, but at least they know what they're doing. You know, like that's how most teams would have done this. Right. But that's not what Oregon did. Oregon was like, now we'll just get even more four star freshmen and we'll play them. And so that's what I was. If you recall, that's what I was ringing the bell about, you know, about like if Oregon's going to have a vulnerability, you know, that's what's going to be. I don't like all the, or or there's a possibility here that like, oh man, you're playing freshmen in the defensive front. You're definitely going to have to rotate in, in these freshmen. And I don't know, man, they're talented, but like freshmen in the front, well, uh, they answer the bell. (laughs) <laughs> like, holy cow, you know, like these uh, freshmen, you, you know, Uyangle Lei, uh, you know, and, and, and Tatum Tuiati and, and, uh, and, and Blake Purchase and, and, and the redshirt freshman, uh, uh, Marion Winston, and, uh, uh, you know, you know all, all these guys, like, you know, what a great season. Uh, you know, these, the, these young freshmen had like, uh, and what, what a foundation for the future. Like, I, you know, really excited about this defensive front, you know, the, you know, Oregon made, uh, you know, the Oregon put down a marker here that they trusted their recruiting for the defensive line and, uh, and it's paying off. Yeah. I think I they were it. proven right too. I mean, first and foremost, like, I have to give off some Jordan Birch love because I, I hope he comes back. Um, the that was the most dominant performance by an edge run defender in Oregon, and then in my lifetime for Oregon, I can't think of anybody else who was nearly as good at setting the edge and playing the run. And he was just so smart the way he played off blocks, um, the way he played the screen game, the way he played down the line. Like he was unbelievable. Um, and then it was really the the trio of freshmen beyond that that impressed me so much and it freed up Dorless to play inside more where he's far more effective as a pass rusher. So um, I, I was, I was stoked with the way that Mateo and Blake purchase and, and, and Tatum to Yodi played. Uh, but as we saw in the Pac-12 title game without Jordan Birch, 
um, the, the growing pains of that room could be would would have been substantially more. Sure. Uh, um, but in terms of like depth, I mean, that's the thing about studying, you know, defensive fronts in the Pac-12 is that like, you know, or Oregon in there, you know, just just the folks who play up on the line of scrimmage. Um, so I, 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 you know, whether you call them, you know, defensive tackles, defensive ends or outside linebackers, just, you know, in Oregon system, like, let's not get so technical as to like call it what their techniques are, you know, weak side, strong side, the jack or whatever. Like just if you play up on the line of scrimmage, Oregon had a dozen of them who were part of the regular, you know, rotation. Um, like there's like, are you kidding? Like no, nobody else in the PAC 12 had a dozen dudes in the regular rotation, you know, uh, 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 you know, all, or almost all of which Jake Shipley being the exception, uh, you know, were four stars, uh, or I guess Dorless is also not a four star, although that's a crazy oversight by the scouting services. Um, you know, that you're playing like four stars anyway. Um, you, you know, uh, you, they're, they're like the grades are all exceptional. Um, like, uh, uh, the, who were getting regular rotation like uh you know the the guy who got, well shipley got the fewest snaps the second fewest was uh for for where hudson uh, or at least you know meaningful snaps excluding garbage time um and uh like i mean just deep like deep and talented and big and like nobody nobody in the pack 12 could touch him like i mean I mean, good Lord, like, uh, I mean, most of the, most of the rooms there, you know, line of scrimmage player rooms were half the size, like effective, you know, like obviously, you know, they would on their roster would list a comparable number of dudes, but like effective number of dudes that they could put out and play would be like half this size. And like, you better believe that that made, you know, made a difference. And that's just number of effective bodies their level of play, you know, you know, was phenomenal and it could get better, you know, like a lot of these guys are sort of holdovers from before, you know, the sort of step change in defensive line recruiting and, uh, you know, that that's, that's happened with the staff. So like, oh man, I really like, I really like where this defensive front is going. Yeah, I, I, and I think next year is going to be really interesting, right? Because obviously it, it, you had this like huge, as you've touched on earlier, right? You had like all these guys who are like fifth, sixth, seventh year players, particularly on the interior, right? Making up the bulk of rotation, right? You got Dorless, you've got Popo, you've got Taki, you've got Casey Rogers who turned 25 years old today. I saw on, mm-hmm. on his Twitter, uh, you know, so you got all these guys that are making a, and even Keon where Hudson, you know, he doesn't play a lot of snaps, but he's what a 2019 kid. So he's been around a while too. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, and then on the other behind them, you've got a bunch of true freshmen, um, who, who mostly saw yeah. garbage time reps. Right. So, it's going to be really interested to see what happens in in the line, and obviously we we kind of know what's going to happen along the edges, right? Because you got all those true freshmen that we talked about that played this year that are obviously going to come back next year. Uh, if if Jordan Birch comes back as well, then then the defensive end and edge wrote and outside linebacker rotations are pretty well set, but on the interior, do you just roll in all these like tw- class of twenty three kids that? 
are were highly recruited, highly rated, looked good in minimal garbage time snaps, or you know, do you do you do you got to go out to the portal and at least get a few bodies that have some more experience there? And I I think it's probably probably I have a prediction. Lack. Yeah, I I think that way. they're gonna do what exactly what they did with the edge room last year. I think that they're gonna basically they're gonna bring in a couple transfers, one or two transfers. They're gonna clear out the people that aren't either. 23 or 24 recruits and then they're going to roll with that insanely talented and deep group of about 10 guys from those two classes on the interior behind the front line transfers because like like all due respect and i mean like i really mean that because like the guys that were a part of this program and gave us their all this year deserve nothing more but our respect but like outside of doorless not a single one of those guys would be recruited going forward by the staff like the the, the lengths and the talent in the defensive line room of the incoming guys and the guys that were on campus but redshirted last year or played um in sparing like garbage time roles that that is the that's the target body type and and physical traits um for the staff yeah i mean if you well, look on the inside I, you've got key Ke- on where hudson has one more year of eligibility left you've got uh, Amari Ro- Amari Washington and Ben Roberts from the 22 class, and then you've got Johnny Bones, Terrence Green, Ashton no, Porter. Amari Washington's, no, no, Amari Washington's a 23. Oh, my bad, my bad. He but he didn't redshirt this year, so I already I already upgraded him on my chart. So my mistake. Uh, so Amari Washington, Bowens, Green, Mikhail Gardner, uh, as well, and then obviously you've got Aiden Breland coming in. You've got Elijah Russian coming in. again, more of a defensive end edge player there. Ashton Porter again, another another kind of defensive end player, but. I think you're spot on. It could be, and I, you know, I know Oregon hosted that the massive nose tackle from um, from Michigan State, and if they were able to land him, like that, that one makes so much sense, right? Like you, that's probably the one position where, yeah, you need a you need a plug and play nose, probably. And notice the length there, right? Like he's six five, he's big, like he's long too, um, and that's like Oregon, like uncharacteristically relative to what Dan Lanning has recruited since he's been on campus was very short on the interior this year, and that will not be the case going forward. I mean, it's really just a question of what happens with Ben Roberts. I mean, I think he's the only... Him and Keon Ware-Hudson are the two guys that are not... Oh, yeah, Ware-Hudson. Either 23 or 24 guys. Yeah, I mean, the the rest of it, yeah, exactly. You know, in terms of of who still has eligibility, but who is not yet, at this point, transferred out, I think think it's just you know robertson Ware hudson i i'm not sure you know but like i mean ben roberts is probably dedicated nose tackle you know you're you're right about his length but like that's not uh you know i i think they well i don't know uh you know we didn't see him much this year so you know beats me uh but like you know to to qb's point like well of course it's gonna be you know 23 and 24 guys like they don't have anybody else like you know plus you know probably a transfer to like you know like he he can't possibly be wrong about that (laughs) you know like there's no other option yeah especially at the interior positions which you know as we know are hard there's not a lot well, of good yeah. ones available in That's the portal anyway. Uh, I mean, there never are. Uh, the, uh, yeah, no, I, I, you know, but but that's, you know, they recruited really well. The interior defensive They're line. They're going to play those guys. Know, like the guys that they recruited are going to get. In 2023, and, and, and they sat on the bench to, to you, know, it, you know, they went to the training table, you know. Yeah. And 2024 is, you know, when you're going to see them. I mean, this is. The roster management 101, Doug, like, 
of course you're going to see Amari Washington, Mikhail Gardner, and Terrence Green, and Johnny Bowens in, in 2024. Yeah, I think yeah, that I, I think I there's going to be a front line So I think there's going to be a front line of guys question. that there's a front line of guys that's going to come in from the portal. Whether whether it's Harmon, obviously Oregon's recruiting Walter Nolan. Um, we'll see what else manifests in the portal here over the coming weeks. But I think Oregon's going to take two guys out of the portal. That'll be the front line. That'll be the starters. And then I think that they're going to just absolutely smash reps into that young group of both true redshirt incoming freshmen uh, and true sophomores in the case of Amari Washington, because that's the future. And that group is going to be absolutely sick. Well, just the length. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is, you know, you don't, you don't get it from, or, or it's not something that you can pick, uh, uh, come away with from just looking at rosters where all you get is their uh, like height and weight. And if you're like a dumb, dumb who doesn't watch film and you're just saying, well, my, you know, six, three, 290 pound guy and your, you know, six, four, 295 pound guy. Well, they're probably the same dudes. Like, no, they're not I'm close. Like they're, you know, when you're, you know, talking about leverage and body proportions and like the ability to, you know, like interior pass rush, the ability to, you know, uh, jack up and, you know, pr pr prevent the offensive lineman from re-anchoring so that you can actually get past him as opposed to just occupying him like uh, so that you can like get off blocks as opposed to just like consuming a double team and, ha and hoping that you're, you know, you know, that's the difference between a defensive lineman who enables a linebacker to make the tackle and a defensive lineman who makes the tackle on his own so that the linebacker can go back and play pass coverage the way that a defensive structure intends him to play. Like, you know, that's, I mean, that's football or that's, that's, uh, that, that, that's how you leverage an advantage, you know, with, with personnel that that's how you get one player to do a job instead of two players, you know, doing the uh, one job. Like, you know, th that's why this is the defensive structure that national championship, you know, teams run, you know, as opposed to like, well, just, let's just get the fattest dude possible. Fat dudes are who we have on the defensive line. Yeah. Yeah. The, and, and that's what, you know, and I mean, so many West coast teams just struggle to even find that, you know, because like they, they just feed them nothing but quinoa and kale out here and, and, and like, and so they're real happy if they can just find anybody who, who can clear three bills, like, but it's like your job's not done like that. That's not, enough and like that you know that that's the i mean that's the awesome thing about seeing guys like amari washington or terrence green we are just like those arms man like oh my god yeah yeah agreed all right linebackers okay, this recruiting podcast this is the 2023 <laughs> review podcast yeah, I, well i guess do we finish the line at all or Want to talk yeah, a little I'm bit. Good. Let's talk I'm about at least on the them. freshman at the edge size. Let's. I'd love to talk about the freshman edges. Uh, there's one other thing that I want to say again, which is not to. I again, I don't want to relitigate the, the conference championship game, uh, but I, I will say, look, man, the mint defensive structure. Uh, every defense has to choose. Uh, uh, a, a vulnerability, right? You only get 11 dudes and the offense is always going to have an advantage over you in something because the offense gets to choose the play. And the, the mint defensive structure, the 
vulnerability that it chooses to have is preventing just, you know, three yard rushes, uh, like up the middle. It's just the structure of the defense. Like, uh, I'm not going to recapitulate all the reasons why just look at the damn structure. Like it's obvious they drop all the linebackers into coverage and they're built like safeties. Uh, and it's a three down front, like the, 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 and it's, you know, if you look at the, 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 the per play success rates, this this is the weakest quadrant of football. It's the only, you know, Oregon was 58.3%, you know, yeah. defensive success rate against the run. They did a really good job of stopping explosive runs. You know, they, 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 they only allowed uh, 8.5% of opponents uh, uh, runs, uh, designed runs to gain 10 plus yards. That's a phenomenal number. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. Um, but like if, a if an opposing offense wants to sort of run at them for three yards of play, you know, every okay. single time, you know, that's just what the mint defense is going to allow. And even if, you know, Dan Lanning had a magic wand and all, you know, more money than Croesus, like you will always be the, you know, the, the, the structural, you know, flaw against this. I wouldn't want them to play Navy, you know, or at least before they change the cut blocking <laughs> rules so that Navy would just be blowing up their kneecaps. Um, like, all right, it's just how this is going to go. So like, if you're a fan who sort of you know, wets the bed when you see Oregon giving up three yards a run, like you need to find a different defense to watch because it's just going to happen. Like the good news is if that's the only thing that you can, that, that, that the opponent opposing offense can do, like they're never going to win a game. Like there's no such thing as a team that can win football games running three yards at a time and only running three yards at a time. They have to be able to combine it with something else. That's why air force, for example, doesn't just do that anymore you know they have to be able to throw the ball and do a bunch of other things uh you know right so yeah but th that's it that's what i wanted to say about the defensive front uh it, it, it is that like yeah they're not made up of uh, uh of you know giant you know blocks of granite that you know uh running backs just bounce off of because that is not the structure of this defense by choice. I agree, but I think that once you upgrade the defensive line to where this thing's going to be in about a year or two years, um, that that will be less of a foregone conclusion. Sure. But I'm ready to talk about the linebackers. If you are, Doug. Did we, did we want to talk about the edge players at all? You feel like we covered that? I feel like we covered it pretty good. I mean, pass there's insane okay. talent yeah. in that room going forward. Um, and, like, if you can have Birch back plus the three true freshmen and, like, Honestly, Elijah Winston deserves a mention because I thought he played really good. Is it Elijah? No, Amarian. 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 All right, there's Amarian. been so many of them that, I, but uh, Amarian yeah. was uh, actually a very good player for us this year. So that's a deep and talented room going forward. We'll yeah, see if Jake Shipley makes it through yet another transfer portal. <laughs> yeah, they just. Uh, yeah, we'll see. No, I, I mean, they all purchased Tuioti Mateo. Winston all had their moments this year. You know, they all are a little different. Um, but I think the nice thing is with, with all of them, plus Burge, plus rushing and your new guy, you know, and uh, Jaden Moore, who's already on the roster. And uh, was it Daniels that's coming in as well in this next class? Like there's a lot, there's a lot of pieces there. And, and it's just a, kind of like the defensive line. It's a cream rise to the top kind of situation, right? Um, yeah, let's move over to the linebackers. So I think we we employed uh, all, what five 
five linebackers, but it, you know, certainly you saw as Jacobs got back during the course of the year, we really were kind of down to the primary three in that room. I think that we're playing toward the end, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was, I mean, Betcher played more early and then once Jacobs came back, it really got paired down to uh Hill, Bassa and Jacobs. There was a sixth. We saw, we saw Devin Jackson uh, at times in the rotation as well, but yeah, basically. Yeah. And then Connor, uh, Soli is the other one who had uh, more Soli, reps early yeah. in the year, and they they pretty much phased out by the end as well. So, and that right. was true with Butcher. So, it, like, and Devin Jackson was primarily playing garbage time. So, it in my opinion, it was those three guys, and um, I thought that both Bass and Hill made pretty big steps forward this year as players. There were still times where Bass had left his feet too often on tackles, but um, I thought that the overall attempt to upgrade your ability to play sideline to sideline scrape make plays um, and then also cover was vastly improved what, what is your take on that if uh i mean definitely like uh, i think a large part of it is simply uh, the I, I i i agree with you yes i think each of these players uh you know was simply you know better uh, than they were uh, uh, last year. Uh, well, Jacobs, they didn't have access to last year. Um, well, nobody did. He was injured. Um, uh, and then they didn't have access to him at the beginning of the year either because he was injured through, uh, you know, until the the, the Wazoo game in week eight. Um, uh, Jacobs, you know, played very well. Um, I think the larger part of it is simply, you know, just being better in this system and also, you know, the, the line just being more appropriate, you know, because the, 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 the way that this linebacking core is supposed to work in this defensive front is they're really supposed to just kill the stuff that gets through. They're not supposed to be making the, the play on their own. Uh, if you know what I mean, like the, the, they're, and so, like, there were so many plays, so many of the the bad plays for, like, Bossa on my tally sheet last year had to do with asking him, him being asked to do stuff that he can't do. And the reason why he doesn't have so many of those on my tally sheet, I think, this year is because the line made it so that he wasn't being asked to have to do those things, not because he suddenly developed the ability to like throw offensive linemen around. Like he didn't, he didn't grow six inches and 50 pounds of muscle. <laughs> like it was that the defensive line got better. You know, that that's what I'm trying to Those guys to say. were kept clean. And then like when Jacobs got healthy, it was very clear that he was the best player in the room. And, um, he he elevated his play as the season went on and he kind of got back in the groove of things so i think that like really a nucleus of bassa and jacobs going into next year is something that you can be comfortable with um but the question is going to be is who who develops beyond that yeah definitely and, and the uh you know the other thing is that like just as uh like the field general stuff like i mean it was super clear watching on film that like bossa really knows what he's doing you know like he he's like his ability to sort of uh, diagnose call out plays and guide the rest of the defense to where it needs to be. Like, I, I, like the plays where he rotated rotates out the rest of the defense plays worse for the, the, the lack of his presence. Like that's, I mean, we have a word for that. It's called leadership. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think, I think that he did a great job calling the defense this year 
and and I think that I'm I'm just hoping that at some point um, through physical development and, and training table and strength and conditioning, he can get to a place where he's a more consistent tackler because he he does kill us at times with his tackling. I mean, yeah, uh, like again, I, it's sort of why I went on a little rant about the mint defensive structure is that like if you if you're in a position where your linebacker is like has to if you're in a position where in this defensive structure your linebacker you know has to make the play then you've already lost is the reason why I don't like sweat that so much like it should be it it should be a gang tackle you know it should be there should be like you know three different safeties on that dude already um the you know uh, uh, or the 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 defensive line, you know, should have prevented that offensive lineman from getting up to that guy. Um, that said, you know, you're not wrong. Like you you're not wrong about his tackling ability. Yeah, I mean, it's a scenario that's going to need to consistently continue to improve. And um, I think that getting some more guys in the room that that can call the defense and play a competent level football. I thought, I thought Jamal Hill did an admirable job, and as the year went on, I thought he progressed nicely. But um, you can't expect much more from a from a converted safety than you got from him in one year. I mean, I think I think converting safeties is appropriate for this position, um, like the 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 way that it plays. Uh, like I mean, hell, Utah's been like almost exclusively playing converted safeties at their linebacker position for like you know close on to eight years now, and they've had so you know almost every one of the linebackers that they've sent to the NFL has been a converted safety. Like I don't, you know, I don't really think that's the nature of the problem. I just think that like Hill's feet aren't fast enough. Like, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm sort of looking forward to some of the new blood that they're bringing yeah in, i mean i think that like there's no problem with guys that convert positions i mean for me in my personal opinion it's more a matter of like okay who are who are the guys that who, who are the guys that can run like a converted safety but are actually <laughs> recruited linebackers and, and those are the guys that we're bringing in well, Devin Jackson, like that's why I was talking about Devin Jackson. Like but he doesn't, he doesn't play. He's like, not, he's just, I don't know. When I watch him, like, I really struggle with him because I obviously like, there's so much to like athletically, but at the same time, he's just a guy that looks lost on the field. He's not, he doesn't play particularly instinctively. He struggles to sift through the trash. Like if a blocker gets to him, it's basically an ended rep for him. Like there, there's just, he, he's still like undersized for the position naturally. And he, he like I'm not saying that we should have a bunch of take on linebackers because this is in the 1980s, but like having guys that can at least somewhat play off of blocks is still an important part of the game. Um, and he at, at no point so far has proven to be able to do that. Now maybe next year is the year he can do that, but um, I think that like if you look at the profile of the guys that we're bringing in now, we're we're getting that horizontal speed and the ability to scrape and make plays in the cover, uh, but we're also getting guys that are big enough to make tackles on first contact and play off the occasional block. Uh, the reason that I brought up J Jackson is simply, like I said, I'm an empiricist a and, uh, his, on my tally sheet in the non-garbage time, you know, uh, reps that I have for him at the beginning of the year, like, uh, against Texas tech, for example, like, yeah, dude, 
to display and against wazoo uh like yeah he he's out of position he's playing kind of lost however uh towards the end of the year like i've got a lot of really good plays for him um against arizona state and against usc um where dillingham's throwing the kitchen sink at the dude and like if, i mean if anybody's gonna try to trick and confuse a linebacker it's it's Kenny Dillingham and, and then, you know, following that up, uh, uh, you know, Lincoln Riley, right. Who like had this really interesting thing where l- the first play of every drive, Lincoln Riley pulled out a weirdo run play. It was this kind of fun thing. I, I actually really liked it, uh, where he, yeah, he did this funky run play first play every drive and they'd be, They'd have Devin Jackson in for a couple of them. And like, first of all, that dude is yeah, fast. He's fast, fast. Like, like he's legitimately fast. Like, like compared to anybody fast. on the team fast. And but yeah. number one, number two tackles really well. Like, remember we were saying about Justin Jacobs where he's built like a spider and like his super long arms, you know, like all he needs to do is get a fingertip on you. And just the way that the torque law works, like he's going to bring you down. I like the way that Jackson tackles. It reminds me of Justin Jacobs, you know, because, uh, uh, uh for that reason. And, and, and number three, I definitely saw improvement over the course of the year. Like the dude was playing much better, um, at the later part of the year than the beginning part of the year. I really just think he needs to bulk up more and he's a young guy and like, it's easy to get him some chicken. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah I, I hope you're I'm, right. I want to excited to see if he, he I does see that. it because like, I, I, I love the, uh, the athletic skill set is off the charts, right? Like, as you said, like you, you put him up in a foot race against anybody on the field, regardless of position, he's going to be right there in it. Um, but what I need to see is like, can, can he trigger quickly? Can he play with instincts? Can he get through the, can he get through the trash on stuff that's not just a spill and kill run, um, and make a play in the box? And if he can do that, then he's got like unbelievably high upside. But we haven't seen him consistently do that yet. Which I'm, I'm hoping, like this is kind of like when you're looking at where he is. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Can I lose it? Oh, I've been talking to myself I'm, for no, no. You're good. We only just lost the last yeah, like we just lost you for a second. It's just oh yeah. He just said if you look at where he is, if you, if you look you at where out. he is now in his in his development cycle, like this is kind of the put up or shut up year for him, right? Like this next coming season, it's year yeah. three. It's time for him to put that together. And I man, like fingers crossed. I hope he can because if he can, like you don't find a lot of linebackers that run ten five hundred meters, right? So, um. I hope that we can we can find that fully developed skill set coming into the spring or the summer, um, and and enhance our linebacker depth with it. Well, that's the interesting part about the linebacker room next year is obviously you've got assuming you, hopefully you get Jacobs back, you got Jacobs and and Bossa as you're obviously returning starters, and then hopefully, you know, Betcher and Soleil and those guys are bit players at best, and then it's like okay, which of Jackson, Mixon, and your three freshmen are going to 
you know, get meaningful reps backing up the two starters. And I think that that's going to really be an interesting storyline to watch. I agree, Doug. Hits, he did. Oh, hits dropped. Oh, I, you're here. If he dropped. Yes, I agree. Okay. You're. I dropped. I, I thought you were going to say, here. let's talk about secondary. You, you disappeared from my screen and then came back. I don't know what's going on. Wonky internet okay. stuff. Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, you're all good. You're all good. Uh, anything more on the linebackers? No. No, I agree. I I, I think it's going to be Jackson, I, you know, because uh, I, I agree it's going to be the put up or shut up year. I suspect he'll put up, but if he has to shut up, like it's going to be a stacked room and uh, the staff's not afraid to play freshman. No, and I think that one of those three guys will be ready to go. Um, and so either way, I think you're going to have better playable depth this year. Is even if Jackson doesn't become like an all everything player, like his athletic talent could suggest he might be able to, like he's still going to be very solid. It is freaky how fast he is, though. Yeah, like he's I the fa- really I think he's probably the fastest backer we've ever had. And like he, I mean, he's a legitimate yeah. track guy. Like, yeah, he's he routinely is one of the fastest guys on the team. All right, he let's, over 23 uh, miles an hour last year. All right. Before we talk about the defensive backfield, we got to set the parameters. First of all, are we talking about nickels with safeties, with corners, or separately by themselves? I think we just talk about the whole room, the whole defensive backfield. Oh, you're back going to kill me. Let's, let's, let's work from the, uh, this would, I think this would be easier if we work from the outside in. I like that plan. Okay. Corners. Whatever makes you guys happy. I don't care. I just want, I just want to see you guys smile. Uh-huh. Or you're not going to see us at all. Uh, it, 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 I think the cornerback room, uh, the outside cornerback room, uh, I think you have to be pleased with. I, I was not able to do film study on Kyrie Jackson at Alabama uh, prior to his transfer to Oregon. I mean, he was a backup and a cornerback, and just the, the quality of film that I was able to find on him was so poor that I really had no idea what Oregon was getting. Uh, and it turned out what they were getting was really good. Um, like, you know, he's long, he was athletic, he was able to play man coverage, you know, excellently. Uh, he had a little DPI problem at the beginning of the year, he got over over it um it was very strange because uh you know usually your best cornerback is the guy that the uh opposing uh qbs don't throw against and yet he was the guy that uh uh like 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 opposing qbs talked themselves into throwing against Kyrie jackson and then he'd knock that stuff out of the sky and I was like, what are you doing? Like, you should definitely be targeting the other position. Uh, but they didn't. So that was d- dumb. I mean, Pac-12 quarterbacks are dumb, I guess. Uh, so that was great. I really liked him. I wish that he would have stayed healthy the entire year. Um, I'll pause. Any disagreement? No, Perry was awesome. And honestly, like it has to be said that Jalil was playing with a foot injury all year too. And I thought he was still very effective despite that injury. Right. So the other position on the other side uh you had a rotation that was somewhat affected by injury you had well basically uh you had like four different guys sometimes five different guys playing this position uh 
you had Jaleel Florence, who I believe they wanted to be the starter, uh, assuming that he was healthy, but then he was basically at no point 100% healthy. There's the foot thing that you mentioned. There was the injury he he got when he was tackling on that screen pass against Washington. Uh, you know, he he's sort of in and out of the lineup, or at least on a snap count for much of the uh, 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 season. Um, so then he was, so, you know, that sucked. Uh but he was very good, you know, when he played. Like, I, I liked his film. Uh, I, I, I don't really think I had much of a complaint with Florence's film. In, in fact, I, in, in some ways, I, 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 I really thought that he was coming into his own. And, and for such a young player, I, you know, I thought it was really bright. I just wish the guy could stay healthy. Again, I'll pause. Any no, I think he's... I thought, I thought that had he been able to actually be and stay healthy, he was Oregon's best corner this year. Yeah. Uh he was rotating uh, sort of as necessary with uh, Dante Manning. He was the five-star who came in the class prior. Uh, uh, I think that Dante Manning flashed a lot of good stuff. I could definitely see why he was a five-star. I could also definitely see why he was at most the third guy in on the field. Like, what's been your assessment of Dante Manning? Yeah, I mean, he inconsistency i think would be the the key word there right like he's when he's good he's really really good and like i think that the way he played down the stretch in florence's absence gives me a lot of like confidence in his ability to at least be a top three corner on the team next year um and if you can keep a player like that and he could take the next step like you have i think you have something there uh I will also mention guys now who exclusively played outside corner because I said we should start on the outside. Uh, the other guys that we've seen were uh, Triquiz Bridges. He recently announced that he is transferring to Florida. Uh, but he no would less. come in as a... Uh, uh, yeah, at long last, back to the yeah. safety position. Um, the... the uh, 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 Frankly, I've always thought that uh, that he's a, a better cornerback than Oregon fan. Like, I understand why Oregon fans, a lot of Oregon fans were disappointed with the guy. I always thought that he had, a, a you know, the, the great underrated virtue of always making the tackle. Um, I thought when he came in as a backup, he played, you know, pretty well. And he was asked to do that a lot, um, you know. So, like, I'm, I, I'll tip my hat to the guy. Uh, you know, good luck at Florida, buddy. Um uh, we also got to see some of the uh, the freshmen. We got to see Pleasant a bit. He played uh, against USC prior to garbage time. Um, uh, in in fact, he got a defense of a two point conversion, um, <laughs> which is hard to do when Caleb Williams is sort of really in the zone. Um, uh, I'll I'll stop there. Uh, you you want to make any comments? About no, guys? I, I thought that both he and Dylan Austin showed really well when they played, but obviously Dylan Austin was hampered by an injury the back half of the season. Yeah. This is where it gets weird. They brought in the transfer Nico Reed from uh, Colorado. Uh, he was uh, also uh, Demetrius Martin, the cornerbacks coach, uh, protege, uh, just like uh, Christian Gonzalez uh, uh, before him. Uh, uh, I really liked Nico Reed's film from when he he was at Colorado. I actually, when I was writing on my Colorado preview last year, I was like, I sneak. I think that actually Nico Reed might sneakily be a good cornerback. Um, uh, because like everybody's throwing against the middle of the field against Colorado, but not the edges. And it's like, you know, everybody was scoring against Colorado all the time. And then, you know, why bother throwing against the edges? If you, the middle is open all day. But anyway, um, 
So I, I really liked his film. The, the deal is the dude can't tackle at all. He's kind of small. Um, and, uh, but like, I really liked his technical coverage skills. Um, the, on the, you know, at Colorado, he played on the outside Oregon, like immediately converted. And for most of the first half of the year was playing him as like their inside cover corner, like, you know, over the slot. Right. Like, and I thought that's how and I was like, oh, this is brilliant. This is exactly how they should use this guy. You like cover, you know, little slot receivers where like, hey, you're a little guy. You can tackle the little guys like I I like it. Your technical skills, you know, are a plus and your minus is like not so much of a liability. I really like this. And you're playing in a league in which there's lots of, you know, like four wide offenses. Like, I really like this. Uh, again, I'll pause. Do, what did you think of that? Yeah, I agree. Um, and I thought that from a matchup standpoint, that made sense. I thought that was why they took him out of the portal in the first place. But so far you're, you're hitting it. I, I did. I, I, I didn't see it coming. I, I, I don't know why I, I, I'll, I'll take that hit. I, 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 I was dumb. Uh, I thought they were going to play him in the outside in the instant and they were going to play other guys in the inside, but the instant they moved him to the inside, I was like, ah, oh, yeah, that's why. Yeah. Brilliant. Anyway, so then what happens is they, uh, uh, so now let's talk about the nickels and the safety, uh, position. What happens is, uh, that they've got, uh, some guys, um, they've got at the beginning of the year, they've got, uh, Brian Addison, uh, they've got Steve Stevens, uh, they've got, uh, uh, Evan Williams, they've got Taishim Johnson, um, and did I miss anybody? Nope. Well, Brian Addison. Okay. Yeah, you got Addison. Uh, yeah. Uh, Addison, Stevens, uh, Williams, Taishim Johnson. Right. Uh, in my opinion, uh, their best configuration uh, of the uh, of sort of the three, you know, uh, uh, interior positions would have been Taishim Johnson and... Uh, 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 Brian Addison at deep, the deep safety positions, and then rotating between, um, if you need a thumper on a thumper type of play, Evan Williams, and if you need a cover corner, you know, slot corner kind of guy, you know, Nico Reed on passing downs. Um, and then, uh, uh, Stevens should never be on the field. <laughs> uh, you know. I'll disagree at all. I'll continue. Okay. So, uh, then what happens that, that was my interpretation. And basically it was sort of what they were doing at the beginning of the year. Then, uh, uh Addison, uh, 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 leaves or oh, like he has a personal issue. I don't really know what it is. I don't really care either. Like, I don't think speculating. No. I mean, he, yeah, he only good. played the first four uh, games and I mean, about less than 20 snaps a game average or right around 20 snaps a game average, 19 yeah. snaps a game. So the way that they deal with this and also just sort of being shorthanded at safety, I don't really understand that. They should have had more and they should have been playing Cole Martin, but they didn't. Uh, I really didn't understand that. So the way that they deal with that is they put Steve Stevens on the field uh, and uh, they played, uh, you know, so so basically every snap then was uh, Steve Stevens was on the field. Uh, Evan Williams was always on the field. Uh, Taishin Johnson was playing in the slot. Uh, and, and Nico Reed was never on the field. I, I thought you, you could not put a worse 
a group of three guys or at least uh, a what configuration of three guys like you you can't have evan williams uh, uh playing a deep safety he can't cover you cannot have taishin johnson playing in the slot he can't uh cover th- that type of player uh and you can't have steve stevens on the field <laughs> and and you had nico reed not on the field and Colmar not on the field at all. The yeah. i mean yeah basically the three and the not three guys Colmar. you're talking about played essentially 100 percent of snaps for most of the season when right. they were earned. and taishim yeah. johnson who i do think if you go back and listen to the podcast they were recording in which we talked about taishim johnson i read an article about taishim johnson when he was at Ole miss and their stupid dime all the time defense which i don't understand why any defensive player would want to play in that idiotic defensive structure they would have him play in two different positions in one of the two positions he was really good at that was the deep safety position and i figured there it's what oregon brought him in for was for him to play at and guess what when he was in that position he played it really well for oregon the other position that Ole Miss would have him play, which was like down in the box, sort of so that Oregon doesn't have a really an analog for that type of position. But the closest thing was what they asked him to do at Oregon when Brian Nesson left, which is sort of the play, you know, down like, a, you know, try to cover tight ends or, or cover like slot receivers. Like they would have him trying to cover Roma Dunze. Like that's all Washington had to do was line Roma Dunze up as the number two receiver. And bam, you had Ty Gene Johnson trying to cover him like that flipping disaster. So, yeah, that was their configuration for basically the entire back half of the season. And guess what? Every time Oregon would give up a big passing play against Oregon State or against USC or against Washington in the conference championship game, guess it was Tyshing Johnson or Evan Williams or Steve Stevens. Like every single time it was those guys. And I'm not trying to really knock uh, uh, Tyshing Johnson or Evan Williams. They are good at what they're supposed to be doing, but they were not in the positions they were supposed to be playing because of Addison not being there and because they were playing those guys out of position because they didn't have Nico Reed on the field and they didn't have Cole Martin on the field and they were sort of being stubborn about that and instead they had Steve Stevens on the field which I can't <laughs> emphasize this enough there is never a reason to have Steve Stevens you're, on the you're, field you are you are making a lot of people we know in the Duck fandom uh, very, I wouldn't say happy but nodding uh, loudly in agreement with everything you're saying because none of this is like new ground uh no offense but, but you're right um you know and if you look so at the anyway, shame starting in the wazoo game this was all of this was evident in the wazoo game in week eight was when they started doing this and like i mean i mean it's six weeks six weeks of my post game articles it was this is what they are choosing to do and this is why it's a problem this is what they are choosing to do and this is why it's a problem i put clips about it i would talk about it in my article if anybody thinks that i'm this like fan of oregon and all i write are <laughs> hagiographies of oregon's defensive staff not true like every one of my articles like this is stupid and it's gonna get oregon in trouble they have an alternate solution which is way better which is this i don't understand why they're doing and oh god bit him in the butt like what a shot i think i think if i'm going to defend the staff here they have access to more information than we do significantly more information than I we mean, do and so obviously and so i would say that given that we all can agree that the, the, what they put on the field was not ideal they clearly didn't think they had an alternate solution that was better or they would have done it and they didn't um and so I have to give them the benefit of the doubt that they know that the alternative solutions that we think should have been tried didn't exist because they clearly thought these are the only three playable guys they had in the in those three positions, and they gave them 100% snaps for eight straight weeks despite uh, evidence that it wasn't working. 
I mean, every time I went to Austin Stadium, or if I couldn't go, I would instruct this my staff at uh, Addicted to Quack, which are, for some reason we got press passes and I had a dude in the booth. Like, I would get your binoculars out. I want you to confirm that Nico Reed is standing there on the sideline, healthy, dressed, and ready to play. Uh, you know, then he is available for the entire game. And instead, he's just standing there and they're not putting him in. Like, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I can confirm. I am confirming to you now, or at least you know by 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 dint of I, I, my I'm staff there too. I know that, he was like, avail- available. I know he was available. That's not the point I was trying to make. Like, yes, he was available. I, but clearly, the staff didn't doesn't agree with you that that was the solution. What we can agree that that they were wrong right. or right, but I, I I think what what it all boils I mean, down I, to I here, and this is why I insist on talking about the defensive backfield separately when you're talking about outside corners versus the safeties and nickels. And I insisted on doing that last season. I insisted on doing it this season because it is not accurate to say Oregon has a defensive back problem. It is accurate to say Oregon has a safety problem. And and, and I think that the well, last year and well, particularly yeah, this year, the but corner I mean, that's play part has... part of it too, Doug. That's part of it too. Their cup runneth over at cornerback. Agreed. Why didn't but, but, they but borrow that's what against like, the cornerback to like, like, short the, the There's a lot room. of fans in this fan base who talk, who think Oregon has a corner problem. And they say that because they're ignorant. Well, and I'm trying dumb. to make sure that we... Why are you engaging with people who believe no, something I'm trying to educate. Like that. <laughs> I'm trying to educate, which is why we need to talk about corners and safeties separately because we don't have a corner problem. We have a great ton of great corners. Our depth is absurd at corner. Our corners are great. Let's talk about safeties now. A whole different story. It's a disaster and it needs to be fixed. I think our safety problem is exacerbated by the, some of the injuries that we had because Dylan Austin was, was practicing on safety when he got hurt. Yeah. Oh, really? <clears throat> and and Kamari Terrell was that. unhealthy for basically the entire season. I did know about his. That's unfortunate. Yeah. So like there, like there was some things at play there, right? That that definitely hurt the room. And that I think might like I think the staff was adjusting with Dylan Austin to try to get Stevens off the field, and then he got hurt. So it was just like, what can you do in that situation? There's not a lot left. And so like the way that they're attacking the portal in high school recruiting tells me that they know that's a problem that's going to be addressed this off season. And I think that. The way that that they continue to record, recruit at such an elite level at the corner position um, will allow them to continue to experiment with Dalen Austin and other players at safety. It's just for you know, like you know, D- Damon David was injured, in, uh, you know, in spring, and then we never really saw him. And he transferred out. D- Terrell, you know, I know has struggled with injuries. Like you know, the, I, I thought that Cole Martin looked playable from the spring game on. He's a coach's kid, you know. Like I mean, hell, they were playing a coach's kid, Tatum Tuiati, you know, on the defensive line. I generally think that it's uh, like a riskier proposition to play, you know, true freshman on, the, uh, you know, cl- closer to the line of scrimmage than further away from the line of scrimmage. And I mean, dude got a pick against Arizona State prior to garbage time. Like I didn't understand why he didn't get, you know, a position that's obviously har- harming you the most, and you are are confronting the most. You like depth, you know, situational issues like come on man you know and they had like two other true freshmen you know Tyler Turner and Cody DeCambra both of whom are are you know those guys were 0.89s you know like you know yeah they're true freshmen like were were they hurt like do do, do you have any information about that um I I don't I have nothing (laughs) I just didn't get like I know that they were in a crunch 
I, like I, I know that I, I I know that you know because Brian Addison's you know personal issue because you know David and Terrell's you know injury you know Evan Williams is playing with a, a club on his hand you know like I I know I know they were in in, in you know in, in dire straits but it's like look at man you know like they, they they had alternate configurations that they could have explored and instead they stuck with a single configuration that was clear in weeks 8 9 10 11 12 13 and 14 you know were was going to get them in trouble against passing offenses yeah, I, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, that, and that's clear. exactly what happened. And that's the two losses on the season are directly attributable to, in my mind, outside of some of the coaching issues, are to the in, the inability to to guard those players when when it, when they needed it most. And and this is the biggest question mark of next season in my mind. Is, is I mean, how I, much are I, we upgrading? I, I disagree with that assertion. I, I think I, I think. I disagree with that assertion that the the losses to Washington were due to defensive problems. I think nobody can defend a fully functional, healthy version of Michael Penix with that wide receiver court, even if they had the best safety group in the universe and that Oregon had to outscore uh, Washington. And so I, in my opinion, actually the loss should be pegged on offensive game planning uh, issues, not, you know, defensive uh, problems. I do think that if Oregon made the playoffs, however, that they probably would not have won a national championship this year due to the safety room. Um, uh, for that reason, uh, however. QB, anything to add? I got nothing. This for that. I mean, it was my biggest concern coming into the season, exiting the season. It's my biggest concern. Yeah. The safety room is critical. Uh, you know, obviously Addison's gone. Steve Stevens is gone. So you don't have to have your rant next year. Uh, if, um, Evan Williams is also gone, so it's basically Tysheem Johnson coming back. I, I loved I, I loved Evan Williams for what uh, for, for his what role. he right was. no exactly yeah yeah um so I, you got Tysheem I don't want anyone and, to and you need you need help I I really love Tysheem Johnson like I just really just need, he just safety. needs to back out yeah. and play deep safety I totally yeah. agree that's where he and and I think he would he could be a very effective player there for for Oregon and I think he he does a lot of things well. We just put it when he didn't do well was when we put him in a position that we shouldn't have been putting him in because, but we didn't have any better options. It's just, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's just not a stand on the, he's just not like a press man, like cover you from the line guy. He's a play deeps. He's like a take the angle and, and uh Oh, something got through. Well, I'll find it and kill it. You know, he's a, that kind of in the run game. I don't, he's really I smart. Don't, I don't love sorry, him playing deep half in, in zone. I, I just, I, I, he's, he's, he's not as limited athletically as Steven, but he is limited athletically in terms of range. But yeah, we'll see, we'll see what they have other than that. Obviously the true freshman or incoming true freshman, Aaron Flowers, the, might be a guy who needs to, to contribute early in, in year one. And, and hopefully he can be. And, and I think that'd be great for a lot of reasons. Obviously Oregon has been in the portal, um, for some guys who could be instant starters there. And I think that's what you need. And then you need, you need some of those guys in the room to make a jump, right. Or be available. Like, I mean, Kamari Terrell is probably, um, the one that sticks out the most just because his length of time in the room, 
um, if he can be healthy this year. And then you've got the 23 kids, the Cody DeCambras, the Tyler Turner's, Colin Gill. Or I think maybe even more like EQB is something you talked about earlier is, you know, guys like Cole Martin and Dalen Austin maybe playing inside more. And, and that bolsters your inside depth uh, because you have such a, an embarrassment of riches on the outside. I do think there's a lot to the notion of like playing what would effectively be a three cornerback defensive structure, like, or at least it would have been if this continued to be a Pac-12 yeah. team. It's not now. Like, I like I to mean, have the option of doing both, like, right? Like you, you've got your you're playing against you're playing yeah, against I mean, Washington, play so Washington, you've got you're playing you know, against Washington they, USC, so you're playing your three corner defense, and then you're playing against. Michigan or Iowa, so you, you well, against those teams, you're probably playing uh, four backs, but, uh, you know, somebody in between, you're playing, maybe Michigan State or somebody, you're playing more of your your run-stopping run uh, or your safety-style nickel. But, I mean, it like, having a deep cornerback room is a great thing to have. Like, yeah, like, it's, it's you know, it's an excellent cornerback room. Like, no reason to complain about that. It's just, you know, I thought it was very strange, you know, given it, it, it was not just it was not just that they could borrow against it in the sense of like, hey, let's convert a guy, you know, and, and make a makeshift safety. It was like they had ways of using corners as inside corners to free up dudes who they could have been using as deep safeties. And it's like, that's why you get guys who are sort of like that, you know, they're two for type of dudes, you know? So that's why it was so strange that they weren't playing. It was also strange that they, I, I thought they had dudes who were playable as true freshmen on a team where like practically the team motto is if you're good enough, you're old enough. And it's like, there's a bunch of 2023s who didn't really see meaningful playing time in the secondary Whereas on the defensive line, it was like their calling card that they were playing 2023. So, like, I didn't understand that one either. Well, I, I, again, I just have to go back to they must know something we don't know. Excellent. All right. We should stop torturing QB11. Uh, <laughs> All right. Uh, I would, I would like to. Those are good. As I said, I would like to, uh, I wasn't joking about it or just making pleasantries. I would like to, if you want to, at some point next week, yes, schedule us up your podcast. Once we get through signing day and all that Hopefully QB will recovered his yeah. voice by yeah, that. Well, yeah, I got to figure out what's going on. Some other thing going on. All right. Well, let's call it good. This is uh, Day One from Addiction to Quack. It never rains on this podcast. Check out all of his awesome work over at these two places. Of course. Follow QB11 at QB11SD on Twitter. Follow the podcast at QB11Show. We are like 15 followers short of 1,000. So if you're the one to uh, get us over that magic line, I don't know, maybe there'll be some sort of shout out on the show or something. And then, of course, I'm at DouglasTS on Twitter. Thank you all for listening. It's been a great episode. It's been a lot of fun. Hithliday, thank you again for joining us. And we can't wait to have you back. My pleasure. It was a good time. All right. Good night, everyone.